0: Welcome to the Information Systems for Business podcast. I'm your host, Craig Van Slyke. The main purpose of the podcast is to augment the book, Information Systems for Business, an Experiential Approach by Franz Belanger, Craig Van Slyke, and Rob Crossler. The book is published by Prospect Press. Before we get started, I wanna give a few disclaimers. The podcast purposely omits many details in order to get to the high points of each chapter. So listening to the podcast is not a substitute for reading the book. Each episode contains my view of the most important points of each chapter. Your professor may have a different view. The podcast is solely my responsibility, so any errors are on me, not my co-authors, your professors, Prospect Press, or my employer. Enough of the disclaimers. Let's get to the good stuff. In this episode, we hit the high points of Appendix A, computer hardware. The focusing story of Appendix A discusses convergence, which is when tasks that used to require a number of different devices come together in a way that allows them to all be completed on a single device. There are other definitions of convergence, but we're not worried about those right now. The smartphone is a good example of convergence. Smartphones allow you to send text messages, keep track of contacts, surf the web, send email, take photographs, and make phone calls, among many other tasks. You used to need separate devices for many of these activities. Today you can do all of that on a smartphone. Unfortunately, however, it's often necessary to make some compromises in convenience and quality when we converge activities onto a single device. For example, typing on a smartphone is fine for short messages, but would be challenging for long documents. Appendix A starts by describing the generations of computer hardware. This gives you an idea of how rapidly computer hardware has evolved. Next comes a description of computing platforms, which include microcomputers, we call them PCs these days, mid-range computers, mainframes, and supercomputers. These differ quite extensively in their capabilities. The rest of the chapter covers hardware components. Here are the main points made in Chapter A. We're currently in the fifth generation of computer hardware. This generation uses parallel processing, which allows a task to be worked on by different processors at the same time rather than one processor at a time. This results in huge performance improvements. Grid computing loosely combines computing resources from different locations, organizations, or domains to achieve some goal. This is an extension of the computer platforms discussed earlier. The main categories of computer hardware include the CPU or central processing unit, storage technologies, input technologies, and output technologies. We don't discuss communication technologies in in the appendix because we discuss them extensively in Chapter 7. CPU, as I said, stands for Central Processing Unit. This is where the main processing occurs, such as doing computations or handling instructions. The CPU is made up of several components. The Arithmetic Logic Unit, or ALU, performs the actual computations. The Control Unit takes care of instructions and controls the flow of data to the various parts of the CPU. Finally, registers store data and instructions temporarily. Input devices are devices such as keyboards, microphones, cameras, scanners, or joysticks that allow data to be entered into the computer. Of course, that's not an exhaustive list. There are a lot of other kinds of input devices. Output devices provide data in a usable form. Output devices include monitors, screens, such as those on your tablet or your phone, printers, speakers, and headphones, among many others. Touch screens are kind of interesting because they're screens, as the name implies, but they're also input devices, so they're actually input devices and output devices. There are two main types of storage technologies. Primary storage, which is also called main memory, is temporary memory that stores data that is used during processing by the CPU. Most primary storage is in the form of random access memory. Typically, the contents of this memory changes frequently and is lost completely when a computer is shut down or loses power. Secondary storage is where files and programs are stored. Secondary storage is much slower than primary storage, but has the advantage of being more or less permanent. Once you store something in secondary storage, it stays there unless there's a device problem or a program erases the data, or you erase the data. Secondary storage can take many forms. Usually computers come with mechanical disk drives that use spinning disks to store and retrieve data, or they might use solid-state drives called SSDs, which are increasingly popular. SSDs store data on semiconductors and have no moving parts, so they're much faster than mechanical drives, but they're also more expensive. USB thumb drives and optical disks are also forms of secondary storage. Well, that's all for Appendix A. Of course, there's a lot more detail in the appendix, so be sure to check it out. Okay, that's it for this episode. Remember that you still need to read the chapter since the book has much more detail. If I mention that yet... Fortunately, we, the co-authors, worked really hard to keep the chapter short and to the point so the reading shouldn't be too bad. Talk to you next time.